0: Today's episode is brought to you by Craftsy. Whether you're new to making or looking to advance skills in a favorite hobby, Craftsy is the place to learn. With over 1,500 classes, there's something for everyone, from knitting and sewing to baking and cooking, gardening, embroidery, quilting, and more. Visit CraftsyOffers.com today and get a full year of Craftsy Premium Membership for just $3. That's 97% off the regular price. Start turning ideas into projects you can be proud of. Thank you so much, Craftsy. And now, here's the show. Welcome to episode 209 of the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Craft Industry Alliance is a community for craft professionals where you can strengthen your creative business, stay up to date on industry news, and build connections within our supportive trade association. Check it out at craftindustryalliance.org. Today on the show, we are talking about building a knitting business with my guest, Sophia Talley. Sophia is the creator of the popular blog thedrunkknitter.com, and she hosts an independent Ravelry store and podcast. Her design work has been featured in online publications such as The Bobble Club, The Fiber Company, Love Knitting, and Darn Good Yarn. And in Warm Hands, a book of knitting patterns. She teaches knitting classes virtually and at knitting shows, including Vogue Knitting Live. Sophia lives in Indiana. How are you doing, Sophia? Good. How are you? Good. I'm so excited to have you on the show and to learn more about your career. I think um, your grandmother
1: knit, and I wondered if you could start off by just telling us a little bit about her. Both my grandmothers knitted. And um, on my father's side, she's the one that taught me how to crochet first. And then I just latched on to crocheting and knitting. And then one day I was knitting in front of my maternal grandmother. And she was just like in awe that I enjoyed it. Because she had five girls, taught them all how to knit. And not only I think one of them liked it in the end. And so when she saw that I enjoyed it, then she started sharing some of her favorite like knitting tips and patterns and Um, I still have patterns that she knitted like back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, like in my office. And so she only wanted to talk to me about knitting when she realized that I thoroughly enjoyed it, (laughs) which I think is kind of funny. So she was just, I don't know, I, I guess it's in my blood at this point. Yeah. What was her name?
0: Her name was Shirley. Shirley. You it was is
1: Shirley. It's Shirley. And still-
0: you and Shirley have
1: that nice bond, which is so sweet. I love that. And yeah. where, where did you grow up? I grew up in New Jersey. Um, Shirley lived in New York. So she lived in the Bronx. Okay. So I was like an hour away.
0: Okay. And were you creative in other ways as a kid? Did you enjoy making other sorts of things as well?
1: everything. I love dancing. Um, I just anything that was artsy, drawing, painting, sculpting, anything like that was my outlet. Writing was a big one for me too. So if it was creative, I had my hands on it
0: mm-hmm. immediately. <laughs> and, and what what did your parents um, do for work when you were growing up?
1: Uh, my dad works worked in IT. He still works in IT, I think. And my mom was a stay at home mom and she took care of us kids. Okay. And yeah.
0: so did you think maybe you wanted to become an artist when you grew up? Did you go to
1: school to study art? 100% yes. I I started um, really working on my art for a career in high school. I went to a really, like, artsy high school, um, and so they had, like, advanced art classes that you had to, like, get a certain grade in art and take art for, like, three years to get into. Um, I took fashion design classes in school as well, in high school, and then when I went to college, um, I really wanted to go to FIT. I even took classes there as, like, a high schooler, but I did not get in I was devastated, but I took fashion at Montclair State University, which is uh, just south of New York. Like it's like 15 minutes from Midtown. So I still was able to get like the New York experience, but at like a cheaper price. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know what I mean? Yeah. So it all worked out in the end. um, And then, uh, so I I was a double major. I got a degree in English and in fashion studies with the hope of being a fashion journalist. Oh, wow. How
0: cool. What a neat job that would be. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, I didn't like it. Okay. So So did you, after you graduated, did you actually try doing that? Oh, see, I didn't even make it that far. I was interning at different online and different publications online, both print. Um, And then, you know, like, it wasn't like I was bad at it. I was just kind of bored. I Uh was bored with fast fashion. I felt like it was all the same. You know, like, I was just over it before my career even started. And I was like, okay, maybe this isn't for me then. Um, And so I went and I got my master's in English to take some time and see what I wanted to do started teaching children. And then I realized, after a few years of teaching, I was like, I think I want to go into knitting, you know, and, and it just blossomed from there pretty much.
0: So was there a particular project like when you were teaching um, English and, you know, that you thought, well, um, maybe this will be like something fun for me to do and and that reawakened your love of knitting from childhood?
1: Um, I just got sick of teaching.
0: <laughs> yeah. Teaching is really hard. I used to be a middle school teacher. It's a lot. Oh, no. It's a lot.
1: <laughs> Yeah. See, I did pre-K, which is bad.
0: (laughs) Oh, pre-K. Okay. So you weren't teaching like high school English. You were teaching little, little babies. Yeah. Okay. No.
1: See, I I started off wanting to teach adults and then I prefer children. So I was like, let me move on to kids. And I really did like that for a while, but it just, I just needed a creative outlet. I felt like every job I had up until that moment wasn't nearly creative enough for me to thrive in. So... That's why, like, when I say I got sick of it, it's more like I just needed something, you know, more tangible. Right. And you had
0: this skill of knitting. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So was there um, a pattern? Like, what was your first sort of pattern? Or what did you first sort of start doing when you returned to knitting?
1: My first thing I did was I knitted up the Joy Shawl, which was my first uh, paid for published pattern, like self published pattern. It came in two sizes. I was very proud of it <laughs> at the time. Um, it's it's a crescent shawl um, with some lace at the bottom. It's very like uh, easy top down design. And um, I was in the reason why I designed the hope shawl, the joy shawl, <laughs> was to uh, give back. And so 50% of all proceeds to the Joy Shaw forever goes to the in, to the sheer organization, which helps families who are experiencing child loss, it always goes back to there. And so that was my first design.
0: And I, I don't know if you feel comfortable talking. Oh, about, yeah. About, okay, I just wanted to, to double check. But you, um you had lost a daughter whose name was joy. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, it was a late miscarriage. So we already had ultrasound, you know what I mean? I was already, you know, timing my, my leave and things like that at work. Um, And then, yeah, I just miscarried. And at that time, I had to take off time for work just because it was a it was a really big, not just emotional event, but it was very physical. I had to take off like at least a couple of weeks from work, because it was a little bit later. So it was like, and I also miscarried naturally, I made the choice to it naturally. Um, so it was such like a physical and emotional draining event that I had two weeks in bed. And so that's when I started knitting the joy shawl. I see. Um, And then from that moment, I was like, you know, I really I don't want to go back to work, <laughs> right? You know, like, I didn't want to go back to work. I felt like I found something that I that would give me more fulfillment and at that time I realized how short life is and how unpredictable life is and um, like this is all we have you know what I mean like we only have uh, this short amount of time to really give it your all and so that's what I was like you know what I'm just going to take this leap of faith try to live off my savings for a little bit and start knitting for a living wow I never stopped from there.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting how like a a profoundly sort of sad and difficult time can help you in some way like understand yeah. understand that life is short and sort of re help you refocus on what is really important. So yeah, that's, that's so interesting. And so, so you published the Joy Shaw and how was it received? Did you, um, you know, start an Instagram or start a website? And did you, how did you begin to build that audience for your, for your new pattern line?
1: Well, because I did work in fashion journalism. So I already had experience with social media and in building websites and making content and blogging and video and things like that. So I decided to put that to good use, finally. Um, (laughs) And I just created the platform like from the bottom up, like all at once. Um, And I just, even though I only had like, maybe like five people following, I just kept trying to build because I really enjoyed it. And I wanted to share, you know, so I just kept posting every day until I was able to grow organically. Yeah, takes a while.
0: <laughs> yeah, it does, and this brings together all of your skills, right? So it's fashion, yes. and it's writing, and English, and journalism, and it's all of this stuff brought together. It's so interesting yes. how you know it became like the the, the ideal <laughs> combination. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And so how did you name your site? Because I wondered with a name like the Drunk Knitter, whether you ever sort of have like, um, second thoughts, like, should I keep that name? Or do you oh, totally embrace it? Or tell us a little bit about that name and all your feelings about
1: it. All the time, but it's, it's not changing. Um, so I started a Drunk Knitter because I thought it was funny. And I thought other people would think it was funny. That's pretty much the base of it. Like one day I was spinning. I spin fiber and I had a glass of wine in one hand and I was spinning fiber with the other hand and it wasn't looking good. Okay. (laughs) Fiber wasn't looking good. And I was like, Jake, wouldn't this be like Jake's my husband? And I was like, wouldn't this be a great uh, podcast if we were just like drunkenly like knitting and spinning and just talking and just you know just having a good time and just really enjoying you know the moment of it and not worrying too much about uh the finished product and getting everything perfect just because I see knitting as like the experience first then the product so that's kind of where that came from and then now that I've meant like it's grown past that um somehow um you know, I think about changing it to just my name, but I kind of don't want to. I kind of like it. <laughs> I, I I think it's like an ode to like old school internet at this point. Yeah,
0: it's so interesting. I agree that it is an ode to old school internet. And what I mean by that, and maybe the, you mean the same thing, I'm not sure, but is like, you know, there was... These names, I think of like Heidi Kenny, who is a designer who had a, a blog called My Paper Crane. And it has nothing yes. to do. She doesn't fold paper. She doesn't do it. But it's like it, she just named it that. And it's become like abstracted almost
1: yes. in
0: a way that I feel like today when folks start a new brand, there's a lot of encouragement to – you know, either make it your name or, um, I don't know, something a little bit more generic or something. But yeah. yeah. Um, okay. And so, um, so you started to build this. And, and when did you start your podcast? Because you have a podcast that it sort of has that same kind of irreverence in that it's true crime and knitting, which I think is amazing.
1: Well, my first podcast was The Drunk Knitter and that was audio only. And I started that when I did the Joy Shawl and I slowly grew that into video. And then um, I started to lose interest in podcasting just because I kind of just ran out of topics. I don't know what happened. I don't, it wasn't like there's was not enough topics out there because there are. I just wasn't inspired enough to go and you know and pluck them out of the the air or whatever so I decided to try something completely different um and I started true crime and knit um and I really I've been trying to do this for a while now but What really sold me was a company came up and was like, hey, we can help you get this podcast off the ground because I was doing YouTube, which is a different like it's easier than just podcasting, which has audio and editing and, you know, like setups and things like that. I knew nothing about that. I I didn't go to school for like music and audio content. I went to school for fashion and visual. So they helped me get it off the ground a little bit. and gave me the confidence to just really work on it and um so yeah that's kind of what happened it's just like grew out of well I'm starting getting bored with this and I want to try something new I love true crime I love listening to true crime while I knit so that's kind of and I thought I couldn't be the only one you know so I just gave it a shot
0: (laughs) and what are some of your favorite true crime podcasts to listen to
1: um I don't have any (laughs) and I know that sounds weird um I don't have any I used to like like a lot of different true crimes, but I kind of don't like the way true crime, the direction that it's been going in lately. And
0: what it and what is that? I'm just curious about. I know that true crime has you know drawn a share of critics, so I'd I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: What I dislike about true crime, um, is just the the it's the it's the whole feel of the way it's. Turning into right now, like it's the glorification of the crime of telling a scary story. Of like they have the scary music and they have the memes and the, you know, like the sound effects and the inside jokes. And for me, it's a really serious thing. It's not a joke. The whole point of my show is to help bring awareness to cases that need that awareness, right? To help not just keep the community safe, but to also maybe. Help solve the case, and so that's all I wanted to do. I I, I wanted to be sure not to glorify um, right. any anybody who, you know, doesn't deserve it. So yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah. And
0: um, and what is the name of the company that came to help you with your podcast? Because that sounds like such a great opportunity.
1: Yeah, it was just Believe B L E A V. They mainly do sports, but they recently started branching out into um, hobby and um, social celebrity talk, things like that. Like they started branching more into different um, topics beyond sports. So it is pretty cool um, that they were willing to work with me (laughs) out of nowhere. I want to take a minute
0: now to talk about our sponsor, Craftsy. Here's a message from Craftsy. At Craftsy, we know making. Whether you're new to the handmade life or looking to advance your skills, we have classes for all maker levels and interests. From knitting and sewing to quilting and embroidery, cooking, baking, paper crafts, and more, Craftsy's instructors guide and encourage you, empowering you to turn ideas into realities. And they have an exclusive offer for Craft Industry Alliance podcast listeners. Right now, you can get a whole year of their premium membership for only $3. Visit craftsyoffers.com to sign up and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. For only $3, you get a full year of access to over 1,500 premium full-length classes. It can be challenging to know where to go to learn new things, especially when you're an absolute beginner. Craftsy's instructors help build strong foundations as they teach, setting you up for success and helping you fix mistakes as you go. Their enthusiasm and strong teaching style make learning accessible to all. If you're an experienced maker and looking for new challenges and fresh projects, Craftsy is for you too. From perfecting your fondant skills to tackling complex stitches, from eye-catching garden design to next steps in sourdough, Craftsy has advanced classes in all crafts from instructors who are experts in their fields. With over 1,500 classes, including downloadable patterns and recipes, Craftsy has a class and a craft for everyone. Visit CraftsyOffers.com today and get a year of Craftsy premium membership for just $3. That's 97% off the regular price. Start turning ideas into projects you can be proud of. Get this exclusive offer at CraftsyOffers.com. Thank you so much, Craftsy. And now back to my conversation with Sophia. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And, um, and you have a Patreon for your podcast. Yes. And how is that working for you? Because um, on this show, we've talked to a few people who have had Patreons um, either on and off or successfully, unsuccessfully. So I wondered how you are liking that platform.
1: Oh my gosh, it's hard. Like Patreon is hard. And the way I, I'm forever changing it just to keep it fresh. And keep content up there. So what I do is I try to keep it as simple for me, but also worth it for them. Um, and what I do is that I, I actually had to stop like putting names at the end of my podcast because it would just take so long to edit. And so I had to like just rework Patreon to work for my needs and not what everyone was telling me to do a patreon if that makes sense yeah because like for for example with, with patreon if you're a podcaster you know you're expected to put your follower's name at the end of a video you know thank everybody maybe do like some cool graphics and a thank you note every month and you know what i realized like no one really cares like no one really looks at that so i decided to give my patreon my my patrons at like when i release a pattern they get a special discount code on top of what's usually so usually my patterns are released at 25% off they get 50% off or something like that um they get unseen footage so extra footage from the show usually when I have a guest I have tons of extra footage like something funny like it'll be like me like if, if I if If today, if I was using extra footage, it'll be like me like talking to my son about Peppa Pig or something. (laughs) I don't know. But like little behind the scenes stuff. Um, They also get to ask questions um, for my guests for me. So if they want to ask anyone something, I'll say, hey, I'm going to be talking to so and so at 3 p.m. on Friday. If you have any questions, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, like put in a Patreon or um, something I've been trying to do for this Um, season, which is new, and it's going to be a surprise for them. But they're going to have access to live recordings when I record them. So that's going to be cool, too.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I think it's really interesting how you kind of realize what matters most to patrons and then... I hope yeah and then created things for them instead of just going with like what everybody tells you to do that maybe isn't as as important to your particular audience so um but Yeah. yeah so that those are some really um really good tips and I know you are you're on lots of social media which we talked about but you're also um on tiktok is that right
1: I'm trying. You're yeah. trying.
0: Okay. And I love TikTok. I'm not a creator on TikTok, but I'm like a consumer of TikTok. So I wondered um, what you've tried there and how that's
1: going. I'm treading water on TikTok and um, it's it's going. Um, I've yet, I haven't gone viral, which this is my thing. I want to go viral on TikTok really bad. Just say I did it and then never again because I'm not good at TikTok. It's just the short, films is harder to do than a longer film always just because it's so condensed you only got a few seconds to get your message across it takes forever to film it and edit it's a really hard platform especially when you're not used to making short clips for content so on tiktok what i've been trying to do is like bring people shopping with me that's been doing okay um i've been trying to show like quick tips like i think my last tiktok was I show them how to do like an afterthought opening in your mittens so that way you can type using hand knitted mittens. Does that make sense? Yeah. Did I articulate that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So that's what I've been doing on TikTok, just like throwing everything out the wall, trying to see what sticks. So we'll see. (laughs) Yeah, no,
0: I think that's awesome. And I, I feel like there's a different audience there on TikTok than Necessarily is on like Instagram, for example. Oh my gosh, yes! It
1: is so different. It is like the wild, wild west right now on TikTok.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. It's a younger audience, and yeah. there are just people who might not ever discover you on Instagram, and they'll find you there, you know. So I hope that you go viral. <laughs> Keep me in the in the loop. That'd be awesome. I'm trying real hard. Well, yeah. If I
1: go viral on TikTok, then you'll probably
0: know. I know, right? Because I'll see you. <laughs> Yeah. I know. That's the nice thing about it is it like um, caters it to your for you page. So exactly. Um, yeah. So you get to discover all kinds of cool stuff, which is what I love about that platform. Um, but you are also doing really well on Instagram. Last I checked, which was maybe last week, you had 22,000 followers there. So I wondered if you oh, could, I do. Wow. I think so. I'll check again. (laughs) Let me just check one more time. I
1: I think I was teetering on like 21.7, but I haven't checked. I'm close.
0: Okay. So, well, either way, 21, 22,000, tell us a little bit about your approach to Instagram and sort of how you think about it. Made you batch your photos or how are you um, sort of thinking about this and strategizing for that platform?
1: Well, first, you're right. I got 22.2. Okay. I should have probably know that. <laughs> Second, I don't batch my Instagram posts. I used to try, I tried everything. Okay. I, I took classes. I took one class on Instagram, like for Instagram uh, social media management before starting this business, like right when I was about to start it. And, um, you know, everyone recommends batch posting and keeping your feed pretty. And for me, I just wanted to keep it as organic as possible. I kind of, I don't know, I I guess I like old school internet a lot. And the old school the internet was like unapologetically like yourself. It wasn't about like having all these like filters and um, having everything like color coordinate. Uh, I just really wanted it to show who I was as a person, which could be a little bit messy. And um, just... You know, just like artsy and like not a lot of like thought to um to my post sequence. I rarely delete posts from my grid to make it look like aesthetically pleasing um just things like that like I kind of just broke the rules just because at the time i my podcast was the drunk knitter, so it was like, why would a drunk knitter be serious and have like all of these like procured. Instagram posts, so, and somehow through a miracle it worked somehow, because uh, <laughs> I did it I don't know, yeah, I yeah. People always ask me I'm like I'm the worst person to ask for it. Instagram But I mean
0: advice. maybe it's because because you did keep it real and just relaxed and true to your personality rather than so like overly thought through that maybe yeah. that's that's why it works you know it's just people maybe relate to that authenticity or you enjoy doing it enough because of that that you will yeah. keep doing it you know instead of getting burned out on it
1: Yeah. And like, I do love that. Like, I love having, um, that like authenticity, as you said. Um, but the one downside I want to warn to people, if you are, that you have authenticity is that there are a lot of brands, if you want to do brand, uh, deals which i don't because i'm lazy but if you want to do brand deals they they kind of look for the curated instagram page just keep that in mind for anyone who's listening who wants to you know try a freestyle instagram like i i i prefer it for like longevity of my brand because it's just you know i already know what to post and it just posts me but um i I can see that like brands be like, "Mm, like your page isn't beige enough. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't match. You need more grades. You need more blurred backgrounds. And you know what I mean? So it's just, you just have to realize that some directions will take you towards like a different path. And that's okay.
0: Yeah, totally. And obviously, it hasn't stopped you from being successful. And um, you have a book that is going to be coming out with story publishing. How did this come about? I know you love to write, obviously, and you're a good designer. And so I can see those two things coming together. But had you always wanted to write a book? Or how did this book come to be?
1: Writing a book was, is my lifelong dream. Um, i I loved reading as a kid. It was my outlet. Um, It was one of the few things that I was allowed to do because I grew up in a strict household. Uh, So reading was my escape. I've always loved it. And so my goal in life was to write a book, period. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to write about. I didn't know if I wanted to be a memoir or a fictional post or something, but that's what I wanted. And then um, I just started pushing my my online presence towards that. So I have a blog where I write little anecdotal pieces about my life and I try to make it, you know, enjoyable to read, (laughs) I guess. And so I was just trying to write about myself, you know, and and, and work on my writing because as a writer, I just, you kind of have to like practice. And so because I knew my end goal was to write a book, I just wanted to keep that practice up. And then another thing I also did was begin teaching knitting techniques. Um, I kind of fell into teaching Vogue just, I think Vogue asked me out of the blue, or maybe I was already like on an email list for designing. I don't remember what it was. And I just said, yeah, sure, why not? And um, through that, because I knew teaching is also another way to get into book writing because since my industry is knitting, if I establish myself as a teacher and a writer, maybe I'll be able to combine those two things into a book. So that's kind of where all that comes from. Um, just trying to like find where I want to go and just pick up the, the skills that I needed to get there um, and keep building on it and keep just making friends in the industry and, you know, keep posting and keep myself up there, keep myself busy um, until I. Hopefully, got where I needed to be. And so,
0: how did you connect with the folks at Story Publishing?
1: They reached out to me. Yes, they reached out to me. <laughs> I had to think for a minute because this was a had to be a couple of years ago now. Because I, I think I either was about to have a baby or just had my baby, and um, they reached out to me and they were like, "Hey, um, did you, you know? Do you have any pitches for a book?" And me, you know, I'm insane. I've been waiting my whole life for someone to have, to have a book kit. I I sent one straight out, like without any guidance. You know what I mean? And they were like, great. Here's a guideline. Use the guideline very nicely. And I was like, well... Okay, <laughs> at least they know I'm enthusiastic and willing to put in hours.
0: <laughs> so, what was your initial idea? Is that was that idea exactly what ended up becoming the book?
1: Yes. Yeah. So I had several because I came prepared because, again, I've been waiting my whole life for this, Um, and I can't remember what any of the rest were because the only one that mattered to me was this one that we're talking about today, which was um, two socks in one. Um, and one, and yeah, it just, that was it. That's what I wanted to write about and teach about.
0: And so was that the class that you had been teaching for Vogue as well? Yes. Okay. So I also think with teaching, right, it's so helpful because you see in real time where people struggle. And so you can better, you learn how to explain things more succinctly and clearly, and that translates so well to writing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and the funny thing is the first time I ever taught was Vogue was in New York. So it was like being tossed in. in yeah, it's but, so crowded. But it, but it was great, though. I loved it.
0: Good. It that's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so you had this idea. And tell us what is Two Socks in One for people who are like, what? how does that work?
1: Okay, so Two Socks in One is not a new idea. Okay, like there's nothing new in knitting. But what I did was just take a bunch of tried and true techniques um, to help someone knit a pair of socks out of just knitting one long tube. So essentially, the, the two-in-one method is that you just knit a very long sock, you cut it in half, and then you have two socks. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And the reason why you want to do it that way is, A, there's not much to think about. You're just having fun knitting, you know, around and around and around. Um, B, there's no second sock syndrome, which, okay, I I suffer from second anything syndrome. I have to knit things two at a time. Um, But when you knit things traditionally two at a time, I don't know if you ever tried it before, but it's very finicky. I taught one class on it. And everyone's like, okay, I get it. But why is it so, like, uh, finicky? And I'm like, well, because you got two balls of yarn. Right. You know, you have two different socks. It's No, no, no matter what you do, nothing's going to, you know, stop the fact that you are working two socks at the same time, you know. Yeah. So, which is fine, but it's not fine if you're in a moving vehicle like me and all your <laughs> stitches fall off. <laughs> and right. You know, so it's just traumatic. So, um. It's doable, but what would be easier if we just did one long tube, one, one skein of yarn, you know, one sock on the needles, but by the time you're done with a sock, all you got to do is just add your heels and the other toe and the other cuff. And, um, it's just different enough adding the heels and toes and cuffs to keep your attention. Um, and, But it's still repetitive enough to be relaxing. So I personally love bringing socks on car rides to knit because my husband drives because I started driving in Jersey, so he doesn't trust me. So, uh, so, yeah. So
0: (laughs) tell us the name of the book and when it will be out. so, So people can make sure to put it on their wish list
1: now. Okay, it's Two Socks in One, and I believe it should be out February 1st. Things are just so weird this time around with things being in stock and... COVID has, COVID has really pushed the book back a little bit. So as yeah. of today, on January 5th, 2022, <laughs> it should be out on February 1st. So, okay. All right. Yeah. That's awesome. And I wondered if you have any thoughts
0: about how having a book out into the world might change things for you. Um, just as a person, myself who's written some sewing books, like it definitely – adds to your sense of self and also the way you're perceived i wondered if you thought about like the impact i guess of having a book
1: nope (laughs) you'll see right when it happens i have i have tunnel vision so all i could think about is getting it out there first making sure it's perfect and then i'll get into you know the aftermath of that once we cross the hurdle of it being on shelves.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's such a huge accomplishment. And then like your mom can find it in Barnes and Noble and it's just so cool. So – yeah, I think that's yeah, great. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. COVID, um, yeah. Yeah, COVID's been so hard with um, distribution printing and getting things shipped, etc. So, but my fingers are crossed for you. And, Thank um, you. Yeah, <laughs> and I was laughing because we were talking earlier about Instagram, but you have this hilarious series uh, of posts where you were knitting your husband's Christmas gift in front of him without him noticing. Yeah. So what were you making
1: him? I made well hit, part of his gift was a quarter zip pullover circular yoke and then the other part was I made a matching one for my son um and I also have one oh um yeah so we all got the same sweater knit in about 2 months time maybe 3 I can't remember it's all a blur um and I wanted Originally, I was going to knit it at night because I have to stay up an hour or so after he goes down because I need alone time after being with toddler and whatever. So I initially went to do that, but then I kept falling asleep. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to knit this in front of him and he won't notice. And I thought it'd be funny to document it because it's just like I'm literally knitting this sweater that obviously isn't my size my, my husband's six foot something I'm five foot you know it's clearly not for my body and he just had no clue <laughs> absolutely none I just think so many people can relate to that
0: like it's just like oh what is she doing oh yeah she's knitting like whatever <laughs>
1: like, well the funny thing is, like, he he would comment on, on my knitting, be like, oh, yeah, that looks nice. You know what I mean? Like, he was always supportive, but I don't think he knew, like, what I was knitting. I think he just, I don't know if he was going through the emotions or if he just genuinely thought it looked nice on the needles. And I have no idea. And the funny thing is, he picked out the yarn himself. <laughs> it was his yarn. Yeah. <laughs> It's so good. I mean talk about Instagram being real. I thought that
0: was just like a perfect example and just so yeah. funny. So good. Yeah. <laughs> um and I know you have a knitting machine as well and how has that been going?
1: Amazing. Um so I don't have a real knitting machine like the long ones. I have one of those toy circular ones that is making its rounds on TikTok. Um And what I like about it is that I can make gifts last minute because I was knitting this gargantuan sweater for my husband who um, loves big clothes. Like he likes clothes to be like several sizes too big. So I had no time. To make Christmas gifts this year. And everyone expects hand knits from me. I've kind of set this expectation. So I got a circular. Knitting machine. One you could pick up from like Amazon. Michaels have them. And it makes hats. You can do panels. So you can knit flat panels. And make blankets. But um I also got a drill attachment. I that was gonna, I saw that. Tested. Right. Because otherwise, do you have to hand crank it otherwise? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Which I can't do because I knit all the time. So my carpal tunnel has reached its limit. Okay. Like <laughs> I am maybe a few years from possibly needing carpal tunnel surgery or something because my wrists get really sore. My yeah. hands get sore. So I, I take out the drill and I sit down. I put on a good audio book, put my headphones on. On like block uh, on noise cancellation because the drills loud and I just make hats and I think I made the guys hats I made the girls headbands because hats mess up your hair so I thought knitted headbands like the ones you wear for warmth um, be better. Yeah. Yeah, and it was great. That's so cool. It's,
0: you have to I send guess. me, yeah, you have to send me the link to that knitting machine because I think, um, first of all, my daughter who's um, 17 and loves to knit, she would love that. And also I think yeah. people would like to check it out. So that's super cool. Um, yeah. 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 And, um, and you have, I know you have some pets and I'd love to hear a little bit about your animals.
1: I have a herd, a flock. Um, I have a chocolate lab named Aria. I have a van cat, so she's white with, like, gray spots on her ears. And her name is Khaleesi. She's the oldest, and she's the queen. Um, I have a catten, so she's my youngest cat. Her name is Nymeria. And I have an Angora bunny named uh, Sansa, but we just call her Bunny. Oh. And
0: well, she comes
1: on command, which I think is a good flex. <laughs>
0: that's awesome yeah 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 so good um well I'd love to get to your recommendations because you have a couple of good ones oh yeah one was your knitting machine so we'll definitely link to that in the show notes um but you also love modern daily knitting yes oh my gosh yeah
1: somehow I got on your PR list I don't know how um because I'm the drunk knitter so it's like you know but but I love their publication because I think it's quarterly and they have like a little magazine and it's chalk filled with like patterns the paper is like well printed like I, I just love that that good paper smell too I'm kind of weird with that um and inside each booklet it's not just articles and patterns but it's also little like fun little like tidbits like you might see a word search or like a uh, bookmarks or like things like that like I open one copy live and it was like the illustrator drew the staff's pets in like really cute illustrations and I just, I don't know, it's just like little things like that. It's just like the perfect thing to open up on like a Sunday morning. Yeah, if your kids are still sleeping with a cup of coffee, and if you're watching or something, you're, you're you know, do some boring knitting. It's a good thing to read. So that's yeah, great. I so love it. That's their yeah.
0: magazine. And you can head over to modern daily knitting and sign up. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah, it sounds yeah. really special and lovely. I love all the independent magazines that are popping up now. They're just great. So yeah. Um, and then you wanted to recommend knitters on TikTok. Are there specific knitters that kind of inspire you on TikTok and make you feel like oh, this is a good platform for me? Um. So the
1: thing is, TikTok is interesting, because it doesn't seem to show me like the same person twice. It's always like, I'm so and so and I made this awesome thing. And what it really, what I really like about TikTok knitting is that people who aren't necessarily part of the knitting community like Instagram you know Ravelry whatever they're they have all this time now because of quarantine and you know like some of the things got canceled and so now they're like okay I can knit a sweater you know I could finally do that thing I always wanted to do and then that part and that's the type of things that pops up on my feed particularly like hey I knitted this sweater because I saw it somewhere in I wanted to make it myself and I have all this time now. And so I don't necessarily see like the same person. I just see like clips of different people's knitting experiences. And I just find that really special.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a great way to get exposed to like, other people besides i don't know sometimes like the craft community can be kind of insular like we're always seeing the same things from the same designers or yeah you know what i mean and so but you know there's a wider world of people out there who are just knitting hobbyists and enjoy knitting or rediscovered it recently or you know made something during the pandemic and um yeah. and it's great to get their enthusiasm and just to sort of get in touch with what they're doing so yeah tiktok's a good way to do that well, Sophia, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I really enjoyed talking to you. You've been listening to the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby <laughs> Glassenberg. This episode was sponsored by Craftsy. Whether you're new to making or looking to advance skills and a favorite hobby, Craftsy is the place to learn. With over 1,500 classes, there's something for everyone, from knitting and sewing to to baking and cooking, gardening, embroidery, quilting, and more. Visit CraftsyOffers.com today and get a full year of Craftsy Premium Membership for just $3. That's 97% off the regular price. Start turning ideas into projects you can be proud of. Thank you so much, Craftsy.